Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. And Taylor, um, we are recording on Monday after the Red River um, nightmare, second half <laughs> nightmare. Um, the collapse in the Cotton Bowl. Collapse in the Cotton Bowl. Yikes. Yeah. And there's no time to feel sorry for uh, themselves because the Longhorns will play host to Oklahoma State number 12 undefeated Oklahoma State Saturday at 11 a.m. on Fox, just as our man Joel Klatt told us here on the flagship podcast uh, over the summer. And so four straight 11 a.m. kickoffs uh, for Texas, and they're going to do it without receiver Jordan Whittington and without starting defensive end Jacoby Jones, both of whom are going to have surgery and will be out for the foreseeable future. So it is um, it is all hands on deck. Get ready uh, because then uh, after Oklahoma State, they're going to take on red hot Baylor after an off week, but first things first, Taylor, here come the Cowboys. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting challenge for the Texas offense to really not only overcome, you know, how much it fell off, I would say in the second half against Oklahoma, but to do so without one of the key components and um, Jordan Whittington, you know, he was, I believe he's second on the team um, behind Xavier worthy in rushing or excuse me, receiving yards. I mean, this is, this is a huge blow, um, but and they can't, you know, let it beat them though, because this Oklahoma state team, not only is it coming in, you know, um, undefeated, it's also coming in off of a bye week So this is a huge um, game and it's going to really, you know, show how mentally tough this uh, Texas team is and how well they're able to overcome adversity following that loss to Oklahoma. Yeah. And you look at, um, you look at Jordan Whittington on third down, over half of his receiving yards have come on third down. And so, you know, 11 of his 24 receptions this season have come on third down. I mean, he has been absolutely clutch on third down. He had another third down catch against Oklahoma on a drive that led to points. So, Someone else has to emerge. We know Xavier Worthy can get it done. Calvante Dixon is a name to keep an eye on because he's had a couple of big third down catches this year. Actually has more uh, career receiving yards than Marcus Washington, who um, came in to the game for, for Jordan Whittington when he went down with that uh, clavicle injury in the fourth quarter. Marcus Washington almost had a play of the game. Would have had a 23-yard touchdown catch, but couldn't get his his toe in bounds. Caught it at the pylon, and um, and so Calvante Dixon, Marcus Washington, two names to keep an eye on uh, in trying to replace Jordan Whittington, and then Jacoby Jones. I mean, Jacoby Jones, uh, Keandre Coburn today called him one of the leaders of the defense. Um, you look at his production; he's you know up amongst the top ten uh, in tackles um you know he's got a tackle for loss this team has not had a whole bunch of pressure on the quarterback but um jacoby jones leaves uh the lineup and in comes alfred collins at least that was the first name mentioned by steve sarkeesian of course alfred collins uh, had the monster alamo bowl game in his first start 
last at the end of last season and then has gradually made more plays had um you know some impressive plays against Oklahoma and needs to keep coming on now because uh, we've been calling his name all year I mean physically the guy's so explosive so dynamic he should probably be your best defensive lineman and 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 so now he's gonna step in and and Texas needs him to take the next step yeah, yeah, and that that was as you mentioned, that was the first name out of Steve Sarkeesian's um, mouth when he was asked about what guys need to step up in place of Jacoby Jones and Jordan Whittington. And you know, Chip, he hasn't really had a ton of um, time to really kind of get in the flow of games. I think coming off of the bench, but you you've seen that his upside. You've seen what he's able to do. He can be really disruptive um, in the pass rush, and you saw it against Spencer Rattler there in the first half when he got that that key sack on, on him, um, you know, when the Oklahoma offense was really starting to crumble and that only hurt, you know, the, the, um, production of the Oklahoma offense when Alfred Collins got in the backfield there, you know, this is, everyone's been wanting this though, Chip. I feel like we've been talking about Alfred Collins ever since that Alamo bowl game. He didn't, you know, um, start or hasn't, I don't think he started a game yet this season, but this is this is a huge moment for him, and it's really a chance to for him to secure that spot. Um, you know, I, Jacoby Jones was seen on the sideline um, after you know he went out in that first quarter in the, in the uh, Texas Oklahoma game. He was on crutches, so who knows how long he's going to be out. But this is a really um, big moment for I think Alfred Collins to really solidify himself, at, you know, possibly as that starting edge rusher that. Um, Jacoby Jones has kind of taken control of that position. Well, and Taylor, that leads us really to what I think is the story of the day, and that is um, the Texas defense, obviously, uh, in search of answers because they have struggled to finish games. Uh, even in the 70-35 to 35 win over Texas Tech, they gave up uh, three big play touchdowns in the second half, and that could have you know, been dismissed as – uh, getting too comfortable, mm -hmm. and but then against TCU, they give up a 13-play, 99-yard drive uh, in the fourth quarter when they go up 12. Uh, it ends in a touchdown. Max Duggan is five of five passing on that on that drive, and then you know Texas ties the game with a minute 23 left, and Texas gives up a. Six play, 75 yard touchdown drive in which Caleb Williams was three of four passing. And it, you know, the players are the ones left answering the questions because Pete Kwiatkowski is not made available to the media by Steve Sarkeesian. Pete Kwiatkowski, the defensive coordinator. And today, when Steve Sarkeesian was asked about, well, first Sarkeesian brought up. You know, we weren't able to get the same pressure on Caleb Williams or in the second half as compared to the first half. And Sarkeesian was asked, well, does that mean you want to see more blitz pressure brought or you were losing one-on-one -on -one matchups? And Sarkeesian didn't really, he just went on about how Caleb Williams was able to pick up two fumbled snaps and throw them for completions, including uh, the 14-yard touchdown to Marvin Mims on third and 11. And 
that was the turning point play of the game. And, and so, you know, this is going to be the million dollar question because when I asked the defensive players who were made available to us, Keandre Coburn, Moro, Ajomo, they said, look, we just run what's called. But Taylor, when you look at the state of the defense late in these games, the coaches know they're gassed. They're it's hot. They've been on the field too long. Um, you know, sometimes you got to call a blitz just to help your defense. I mean, you, you, you want to be smart. You don't want to give up a big play, obviously, but Steve Sarkeesian sounded incredulous that a true freshman quarterback in that environment could pick up two fumbled snaps and throw them for completions. And I agree with them. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. You got to bring some heat. You got to, they heated up Spencer Rattler, but they were not able to really get Caleb Williams to feel their pressure. Yeah. And that goes to, makes you kind of wonder, Chip, is this a, you know, is this more on, the defense, a lack of depth and that quality depth that they feel comfortable rotating in to give guys more, you know, breathing time um, when the offense isn't moving the ball or is the offense need to take some accountability for this because they keep setting their defensive the defense up in a poor situation later in games and not helping them out. I mean, if you go back and look at the Arkansas game, if you if you compare the stat line of Oklahoma and Arkansas, when they played Texas, it's almost identical. The only thing that was different was Arkansas, you know, had 20 more um, plays on offense and threw the ball about double the amount of times that, or excuse me, Oklahoma had 20 more plays than Arkansas threw the ball about, um, you know, I think 20 more times than Arkansas did. And, you know, you saw the, the larger um, win there with the 55 points, but at some point with this continuing to be a pressure, you look at the, the comparison between the two losses on the season, you have to wonder how much better can the defense get later in games if they don't have the help of the offense extending drives because you've seen it now twice. You saw it in week two, and now we saw it in week six. And so if that, I think it it's going to be hard, wonder. though. It's going to be hard to find fault with the offense in the Oklahoma games. No, oh, no, that's yeah, 48. I totally get that. Yeah. And that's where, but it's kind of like, okay, well, clearly this is an issue on Texas's defense that they are not able to, you know, play a full four quarters so far. They haven't been able to show it at least. So where's the depth, you know, and that, that's, I guess the question is what guys can step up because there, there's enough talent, but these guys need to come and play and there can't be a huge drop off when you take the starters out of the game. Yeah. It feels like Pete Kwiatkowski still doesn't have a feel for his personnel. Yeah. And exactly when and how to deploy his personnel. Now, he's that may be uh, a lack of personnel, though, too. Well, you know what I mean? But he's also dialed up some nice blitzes. I mean, he dialed up the the third down blitz for DeMarvian Overshawn that results in the sack. And then Overshawn blocks the punt on the next play against TCU. He dials up the Anthony Cook blitz off the edge. It results in a strip sack. Uh, huge play in the third quarter of that game. And what we've seen in the in the TCU game where they go on the 99-yard drive after the offense gave them a 12-point lead uh, was Pete Kwiatkowski rushing three, dropping eight, and not bringing pressure. And then that's sort of what we saw again in the final drive by Oklahoma with a minute 23 left. And, 
and Oklahoma was able to get, you know, Caleb Williams, true freshman, able to go three or four passing and lead them, you know, into field goal range, certainly. And then they end up getting the big play running touchdown with three seconds left. So it's, you're right there. It's got to be complimentary football, but in certain situations where the defense can't give up the big drive is Pete Kwiatkowski giving them enough help in terms of, is he playing it too safe? Because look, I understand rushing three and dropping eight and Texas was able to get to Spencer Rattler at times, just rushing right. three and dropping eight, but Oklahoma Keandre Coburn told me today. Yeah. Oklahoma adjusted. They kept more guys in, they used different angles uh, to wall us off and keep our rush from getting there. Well, that's on Pete Kwiatkowski to see that Oklahoma has adjusted and then find a different way right. to get pressure on Caleb Williams. Because I agree with Steve Sarkeesian that two fumbled snaps are picked up and, and thrown for completions. And there's no, you know, there's no defensive player, you know, in the area to, to scramble for the ball or at least make Caleb Williams, uh, you know, have to throw it away. It, it, it's a problem and they got to get this thing figured out because it's a trend. Now it's a trend against Texas tech. They may have gotten casual with a big lead and they may have gotten casual with a big lead against Oklahoma up 18 with two and change two minutes and change left in the third quarter. And that play where the fumbled snap, he picks it up, throws it for the 14 yard touchdown starts the avalanche momentum that ultimately um, you know, turns into a comeback victory for Oklahoma. And, and so, you know, the players were asked, okay, should you blitz more? And Moro Jomo said, that's on, you know, that's PK's call. He gets paid millions of dollars and has been doing this 20 years. What he thinks we should do, will do. We're a team, but it felt like there was a butt coming, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, the players are searching for answers too. And, and that that's when you have concern. Now, Spencer Sanders, the quarterback at Oklahoma state's only completing 58% of his passes. He's not having a great year throwing the football. Oklahoma state runs the ball well, and that means they can play action and mm -hmm. come up with some big plays in the passing game. And Texas is going to have to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we generate more pressure? Jacoby Jones isn't going to be able to do it. Um, is it Alfred Collins? How do we position Alfred Collins? Do we move him around? Um, because Texas did try some interesting things. I mean, they inverted their tackles and their ends at one point. Um, it backfired because Caleb Williams ran for a 66 yard touchdown um, on that play. But it, it feels like Pete he's still trying to figure it out and they got to, we're at mid-season. I mean, we got to figure it out here. Yeah, for sure. And and this is going to be a chance to see, you know, what Alfred Collins can do in a more substantial role. And I think that's a good thing, honestly. I mean, Jacoby Jones is uh, – he how many years has he been here? I feel like he's been here – he may be 25 by now. I don't know. But yeah, he was he's a definitely transfer. <laughs> yeah, he's Even a senior with... for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, this is, this is a chance to see how strong Alfred Collins can – of a campaign he can make for himself. But I also think that this is a huge 
crucial moment when it comes to recruiting also, because if, if we're talking about the six games into the season, we're questioning, you know, where's the pass rush. I, I think that this is probably um, why they need to start recruiting a lot more, you know, defensive linemen, those edge rusher type of players. Um, but Steve Sarkeesian did also say that, you know, three other guys who can kind of fill in the void too. Um, you know, he talked about Ovia Gofu, the Notre Dame transfer, how he's probably playing better than anybody or progressing better um, than anybody. And then he also mentioned, you know, Ray Thornton has been playing well. Ben Davis got in against Oklahoma. He's been what he Steve Sarkeesian said. Yeah. And what Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, he's been kind of working his way back from that foot injury, which is why he probably has not been playing as much as people probably expected him to six games into the year. So there's still those guys that that also can help fill the void but you kind of wonder maybe we should get you yeah, should get two of them on the field you know with Collins and another one too um to create that generate that pass rush because you're right I mean they got after Spencer Rattler but they couldn't get against up against um Caleb Williams I know they didn't have film on him but still you expect to be able to get after a true freshman more than you know the preseason Heisman favorite and that wasn't the case for Texas so a lot of work to be done and there's not much time to be done you know, considering Oklahoma State has a pretty solid rushing attack with um, their running back Jalen Warren, and as you mentioned, you know Spencer Sanders. Um, he can he hasn't he can been completing too. a ton, but he can run around too. You have to remember him as a running threat for sure. Yeah, and they've got you know they've got um, some big play capability in the return game with Brennan Presley, and so you know this is a this is an attention to detail game for Texas. I think Texas's offense. Uh, I'm not breaking any news here. Texas's offense against the Oklahoma State defense is the marquee matchup. Um, but to me, the I mean, the Texas offense passed a huge test against Oklahoma because we knew Oklahoma was good up front. We knew they were good against the run. Um, we knew they had disruptive uh, playmakers like you know Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas, and those guys were disruptive. But Texas. Still scored 48 points. Casey Thompson still threw for five touchdowns. Bijan Robinson still ran for 137 and averaged almost seven yards a carry. You'll take all of that. And, and now they got to do it again against another veteran defense that is the best defense in the Big 12 on third down. They're only, you know, allowing opponents to convert 29.7% uh, of third downs. That is the best in the Big 12. Uh, by contrast, Texas is allowing 40% um, on, on third down in terms of conversion. So uh, this, is a, this is a big test, and the Texas defense needs to you know, shut down the run, force Spencer Sanders to have to throw the football, uh, and then you know, seize on opportunities because the defense played a great – I mean, I'm going to say it. They played a great first half against Oklahoma. They – forced two turnovers. They uh, had two trips going, you know, inside their 20 that they held to field goals. But these, the second half performances are a problem. And, yeah. and so it's, it's going to be a big week for Pete Kwiatkowski and Steve Sarkeesian to figure this out because Steve Sarkeesian, you know, he, he was, he didn't have the answer today. He was saying, I don't know if it was Caleb Williams running ability that kept our guys, from trying to get in there and disrupt him. Um, but, you know, yeah, yeah, that stuff needs to be figured out because Spencer Sanders can run around too. Yeah, it definitely does. And um, 
I mean, this is going to be an interesting game, Chip. You look at the the history between Texas and Oklahoma State. I feel like Oklahoma State has had the Longhorns number a lot of times in recent history, especially at home. Now, obviously, it's a different coaching staff. That doesn't always mean that the the trend is going to continue by any means. But I think that what you can see right now is Pete Kwiatkowski is really learning that the the whole firepower and in the um, offenses in the Big Twelve are no joke, and they're not going to end. You know, the Oklahoma was not the last one that's going to try to, you know, do. The, I mean, think about the the tape that the rest of the opponents on the schedule have now on the Texas defense, and you know, even doing the direct snap to um, to a running back or whatever to run it in that works every time that Oklahoma did it. So. There's definitely a lot of, you know, areas that need to be adjusted. And, you know, it's not always fair to put a ton of pressure on one side of the ball to do, get it done. But the offense has been pretty consistently putting up a lot of points in games. Um, and I know they didn't do as well in the second half as they did in the first half. But still, I mean, they put up 48 points on Oklahoma. They were able to run the ball some, at least on, you know, the um, number seven run defense in the country prior to that game. So, um, they're going to need all the help they can get on offense. And, you know, without Jordan Whittington, that's probably a little bit of a concern if I, if I'm a Texas fan. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's get to love it or leave it, Taylor. Everyone's all favorite right. part of the show. Yes, sir. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a quick break, but you definitely want to stick around because football talk will continue here on the flagship podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am ready. All righty. My first one for you is love it or leave it. You are ready to hit the panic button on the Texas defense. I'm not ready to hit the panic button um, because, like I said, they've they've turned in some good first half performances. They've created turnovers, um, but they've got to they've got some things to figure out. I mean, it's it's um, it's not panic time. I mean, Oklahoma is number six in the country or whatever they are for a reason. Number four now. Number four now, excuse me. Um, mm -hmm. And and we knew Caleb Williams was going to be a problem, and he was. But they, that the fact that it's happened for whatever reason against Texas Tech in the second half, TCU, they give up the 99-yard drive that allows TCU to cut the game to five points. And then against Oklahoma, even you know, with the the offense tying the game with a minute twenty three left, can't keep Oklahoma from driving the field and scoring a touchdown. Those are big concerns, and I'm not. I'm going to leave this because I'm not going to hit the panic button. I I still think Texas can get it together defensively, but I mean, I'm sure there was a sharp conversation between Steve Sarkeesian and. And Pete Kwiatkowski on Sunday saying, okay, tell me how we're going to fix this because it, it needs to be fixed. I mean, as I said, after Oklahoma state, you got Baylor, uh, mm. who's, you know, offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes came in from BYU and has just completely transformed Baylor. I mean, they were nothing offensively last year. Now they're the number two scoring offense in the conference. So it's, uh, it's it's time to get it fixed. <laughs> How about you, Taylor? Yeah, I'm going to leave it too. I'm not going to say I'm ready to hit the panic button right now. 
on the Texas defense. If the question was, are you ready to hit the panic button on the Texas defense after halftime, I might say yes. Um, but because of the last three straight games and showings that they have had after halftime. Um, but, you know, I think I, I'm going to probably be a little bit less harsh on them right now because with Caleb Williams, you know, they didn't know that he was going to come in that game, you know, and, and that's, that's, that can be crucial. You have to adjust obviously in games, but um, now if he were to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma moving forward and he, you know, opponents are able to stop him, then yeah, then that's a panic thing. That's on the Texas defense right now. I think it's too soon to say that, but you know, there's, there's definitely, I would say no, or, you know, leave it, not going to hit the panic button, but there's a ton of things to fix. And, you know, if you're Texas, you're probably wishing your bye week was this week and not next week um, before um, facing Oklahoma state, just so you can try to look at that tape and figure it out. But, you know, there's the, that you have to get over it, you know, um, it's next game up and this is a tough one in number 12, Oklahoma state. So if this continues, you know, if we ask this question next week, then we might have a different answer, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold off for now. And uh, we're going to, let's see what they can do against Oklahoma state. Yeah. And quick correction, Baylor is the number four scoring offense in the big 12 averaging 38 point uh, three points per game, not the second scoring offense, but still uh, formidable. Oklahoma State is struggling, by the way. They're only averaging 25.4 points per game. So on paper, uh, this should be a game where the Texas defense can, can flex, but they haven't been flexing a lot lately. Yeah, no doubt about All it. Right. Love it or leave it, number two. All right, number two is love it or leave it. Nothing should be made of the fact that Oklahoma State is five and one in their last six games in Austin. Uh, um, you know what? I'm going to leave this too, because look, I know those games happened under different coaches that goes back to Mac Brown, but yeah. I think it's more about the confidence of the Oklahoma state Cowboys. I mean, they, their coach can tell them you're five and one in your last six in Austin. And that, that means something to players. Mm -hmm. Suddenly they don't want to be the ones that lose in Austin when all these other Oklahoma state teams have won there. So, you know, it's a psychological thing, but that's a bad trend for Texas. <laughs> and Mike Gundy obviously feels comfortable bringing his teams here. Um, kudos to Tom Herman and his staff. They, they ended that streak. It was the longest winning streak by an opponent in Austin in program history. So, um, you know, they actually have won two in a row against Oklahoma State. Of course, that crazy comeback win last year, that felt a lot like what Oklahoma did ju just did to Texas. Seriously. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to say there is something to be made of that. Okay. Okay. How about you, Taylor? I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say I'm going to leave it just because there was something also to be made about, you know, Texas record against TCU since joining the big 12 and Sarkeesian ended that, you know, quick. So I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not saying that Texas is going to dominate or go out and win or anything, but I think that, you know, when, if Steve Sarkeesian was able to do that to a TCU team that has had Texas number in a big way, whether it was in Austin or in Fort Worth, then I'm going to 
hold off any judgment about that being the case. But I do think you are right saying that it means more to Oklahoma State probably than it will to Texas. Um, and I, I almost feel like right now Texas probably doesn't need to worry about something like that, you know, being one in five at home against Oklahoma State, um, you know, in Austin uh, in the last six meetings or whatever. But I do think there's way too many other things to focus on. I think that they shouldn't focus on that. And I'm going to leave it saying that it's not a key factor in this game on Saturday. Okay. All right. How about love it or leave it number three? All right. Number three is love it or leave it. On a scale of one to 10, your level of concern for the Texas offense without Jordan Whittington is a seven or higher. You know what? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to love this and I'm going to, I'm going to have Marcus Washington or Calvante Dixon or multiple tight end sets. I think Steve Sarkeesian said as a, as another way to try and alleviate um, the loss of Jordan Whittington from this offense. But yeah, I, my, my concern is seven or higher on this scale, just because of the production on third down that Jordan Whittington has meant to this team. I mean, when over half of your receiving yards um, and he's tied for the team lead in receptions with Xavier worthy um, when over half your receiving yards come on third down, man, I got to see someone else step up before I'm going to feel better about this. So I'm going to, I'm going to love this. My, my concern is at a seven or higher right now without Jordan Whittington. Um, and I get it. You can throw it to Bijan Robinson, but still, I think Texas, I need to see someone else step up before I feel much better about this. How about you? I, I agree. I'm going to love it too, for the exact same reason. You know, I am, I am curious. This is where Steve Sarkeesian, you know, his offensive mind will probably be seen a lot more without Jordan Whittington in the mix and getting, you know, different personnel on the field. I still would love to see three running backs on the field at one point, whether it's a two back set and put Keelan Robinson um, outside or something, yeah, you know, I think more Keelan Robinson, he's so fast. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he has that, that different maker shoot out of a cannon type of speed and, you know, Jordan Whittington's very quick too, you know, and so this is a, a lot of uh, speed that the offense is going to have to replace. I don't necessarily know that. Um, I, I, I guess I should say, I, I don't know if Marcus Washington, what his top end speed really is. Cause he hasn't really seen, we haven't seen it, you know, in his time at Texas, um, he's got to step up, but I, you know, I'm definitely, I would say it's definitely a concern of seven. I think I'm, I'm very intrigued though, to see how the offensive staff can kind of, you know, game plan without Jordan Whittington, um, using some of the guys that haven't really, um, been given much playing time. And I think that probably starts with Keelan Robinson. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know Calvante Dixon's been fighting through the ankle injury that he suffered, right. you know, in fall camp. Hopefully it's better now. I mean, he's been out there. He's made plays. Right. Um, and he's, like I said, a couple big third down catches, including a couple that sustain drives uh, to points. Uh, one coming off the goal line. Um, you know, he's made some pressure uh, third down catches. And and I think he's I think he thinks he's ready. I think Calvante Dixon thinks he's ready for his moment. So. I'm eager to see what what he brings. Marcus Washington has nine career catches uh, as a Longhorn and could have had a huge play in the OU game. Just couldn't quite get it, you know, get down in bounds. 
Um, but we're talking about unknowns here instead of knowns. And so that's why uh, I think our concern is at a seven or higher. All right, everybody. Hey, listen, thanks for uh, checking out the flagship podcast. We are here for you. Um, I am Chip Brown for Taylor Estes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the flagship podcast. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.